Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. Throughout history, the third eye has been a topic sequestered to secrecy, isolated and occult. But in the brain, the third eye is in the center. Through the imagery of ancient mysticism, this all-seeing eye has had several interpretations. Most believe that we have some sort of psychic eye within us. But the question is, are the visions we see with it a form of channeling? I wanted one simple answer. I wanted to just discover the one easy way to know how channeling works. And what we found at Mount Shasta was that there were likely so many different ways that channeling works and that it depended on the type of channeling that the person was doing. And so in a channeling that we received about how it worked, there was this idea that information in the form of light came through the pineal gland. The pineal gland is a master gland, transmuted that light in some way to influence the DNA because our pineal gland has light sensors within it. It's the small gland within the center of the brain. And it has long been anecdotally known to be associated with psychic abilities and channeling abilities. The pineal gland is right where the third eye is, okay? The sixth chakra. This is something that Plato even talked about. He told us that we have a third eye. It may be the seat of seeing. And so anything we can do to clear off our pineal gland and open it up is going to support us in this oracle work. The pineal gland is the more spiritual trigger in my view of things. It is a catalytic converter, if you will, for spirit energy, your quintessence coming down through your body, rising up from somewhere else in your body, and catalyzing within the pineal gland. I've seen pineal glands that have the energetic colors of a Pixar movie. And that is a person who is awake, but they don't know how awake they are yet. And so they need to do their work, yoga, tai chi, prayer, chanting, a walkabout, whatever they need to do, find a place where they're their happiest, and, th and that will catalyze that even more. The pineal gland is important equally to the basal ganglia. The basal ganglia is really the endpoint of the intuitive system in the brain. Because the gut level intuitive system and the uh, vagal system tell the brain what to do and the pineal what to do. When language comes up into the brain, the basal ganglia is the one that translates that into whatever sector, the visual, auditory, kinesthetic, language aspects of the brain, and then the pineal, which is really kind of like the all-seeing eye in the brain, watching all this happen, and it will catalyze at a different level. 
The brain catalyzes it at our human level. The pineal gland catalyzes our spiritual level. And so it's our job to integrate the two. There's a fascinating relationship between solar flares and geomagnetic activity and channeling experiences. So when geomagnetic activity is high, we see a higher incidence of expressive type channeling experiences. It's like seeing ghosts or poltergeists or mind over matter type experiences. When geomagnetic activity is low, there's a higher prevalence of clairaudience, clairvoyance, telepathy, things like that. I think that's a very fascinating relationship between our planet and us being on the planet and our larger universe. What's also fascinating about that is it connects to our pineal gland. And so we see this connection between geomagnetic activity and the pineal gland. And the pineal gland and this supposed relationship to channeling experiences. Several channeled messages center around connecting with the cosmos above to provide guidance and power to us below. The ancient practice of sun gazing during the sunrise and sunset hours has been thought to stimulate and ignite visions within this mysterious all-seeing eye in our brain. What happens when we consciously tune and connect our sixth chakra with the other chakras? I think to understand our our innate abilities to to channel, in other words, just to open our awareness to the the greater nature of of reality itself, is, is how do our bodies tune with this cosmic information, this universal information that's available to us. And our bodies themselves, of course, are informational, coherent informational entities, which are always within themselves and also in our surroundings and with the whole universe, sharing information, whether aware of it or not. And there are certain attributes of our bodies, such as some of our endocrine glands, such as our nervous system, that are particularly attuned, that are particularly able to transduce large amounts of information. And our pineal gland, which is the, the perceived Ajna chakra, our insight chakra, is one of those. It's an amazing informational network that can process enormous amounts of information and then share it throughout our bodily perspectives. We have other aspects, the chakras generally are deemed to be sort of moderators of that informational transfer between us and the wider cosmos. Chakras are the electromagnetics that come off of your nervous system. There are seven primary chakras. And when I look at them, and you can have your own experience, but I think this is a place for you to start, you feel something, say, in your belly, because the third chakra is located in the solar plexus. When you feel butterflies, that's your third chakra ticking off. 
So it extends out of the body in the front and extends out of the body in the back. Same with the heart, the front and the back. Throat, front and back. Sixth chakra where you can see, front and back. Seventh chakra, up to your quintessence. And your quintessence comes down through it and feeds all of the energy centers in your body. What's so interesting about it is that it integrates with the nervous system of the spine. There's one in the root that extends straight down in between the legs off of the coccyx, the tailbone of the body. The second chakra is in the lower abdominal area and goes through the front and the back of the body. These are the primary ones and they guide your life. The Southern Hemisphere guides the root and rudimentary parts of your primal life. The upper chakras, they're your spirit world. And the heart is the integrator. The chakra system is an energy dynamic system that is operating in energy fields that are um, both parallel and interdimensional. And so they're operating gateways like a stargate that opens up different levels of information throughout the universal field of intelligence. And the more you begin to understand that the chakra is not just a spinning ball of energy, it's a stargate. Ancient mystical traditions taught not of a sevenfold chakra system, which are, is our sense of personal self. So if you like, it's our informational field that moderates and mediates our personal sense of self and plugs us into that greater cosmic wholeness. But they talk about a 12-fold chakra system where as part of mystical journeys, our awareness expands, as it were, to higher vibrational levels of awareness where we can literally attune progressively with more and more archetypal expansive aspects of universal consciousness. But it seems to me that now we are everyday mystics in the sense that more and more people are expanding our awareness beyond that sevenfold chakric system into transpersonal awareness. And for me, that has been guided by this understanding of a, an eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth chakra. They're revealing that we have this ability and perhaps this evolutionary opportunity to be embodied as what the ancients and the mystical traditions would call Christed or Buddhic consciousness. So the more that we attune our bodies through inner practices, mindfulness, meditation, this was the ancient tradition, we are literally tuning up our entire informational system to more easily access such universal, non-local, cosmic information. So learn about chakras. They're valuable. They're an important part of your radar, of how you feel in your body and in the world around you. You learn to play with them because they're guiding you. They are a reflection of your nervous system. They are a reflection of your spirit and your soul inside your body and they will help guide you. They help you heal. Join us at Gaia Sphere Event Center. Everything is here and now. Everything is all connected. Witness firsthand five renowned channelers. When we start to wake up, we remember 
there's something bigger than ourselves. Watch On Demand or in person September 23rd, 2023. The heart is the sacred space of the human being. Riz Mirza, Wendy Kennedy, Daryl Enka, Sheila Gillette, and Paul Selleck. Channeling Conference, Voices from the Beyond. Visit Gaia.com slash events plus for more information. The powerful art of plant medicine has been used to help humans ignite their third eye, unlock dormant memories, and pierce the veil to other dimensions. Shamans throughout history have been the major guides for humanity to discover the spiritual and healing powers of the plant kingdom. But shamanism also has several other forms of connecting with the spirit world. Many, many traditions, many traditions have worked with multidimensional communications, channeling, to gain great guidance. I remember stories of researchers going into the Amazon jungle and speaking with the shamans there who have an encyclopedic knowledge of plants and plant medicine. And when asked, how did you get to this? The response was, we were told. The plants told us. The plants were guiding us as to what was beneficial for us. And I think, you know, such channeling, such openness to this sort of guidance is universal across human experience. Shamanism is about relationship. It's about the relationship to nature, ancestor, food, community. Everything is a relationship. When we look at shamanism, right, people think shamanism, they always associate it to plant medicine. They just, the Western world has basically turned shamanism into a Hollywood gimmick. When people think shaman, they think Native American culture, Peruvian culture. They don't understand that the core of shamanism has come from Africa, Mongolia, and has spread out from the Maoris to the Aboriginals and the Sami people, the Nordics. When we talk about medicine in shamanism, the way we look at medicine is the information and knowledge that you bring through your being. So you are medicine to the world. So a lot of times people think medicine, they think just plant medicine. That's a very different thing. The other understanding of shamanism is what type of shaman are you? Now, there's earth shamans who, as you know, deal with different types of medicines. They're very knowledgeable of the different medicines that are available, and they know how it's going to affect the spirits of the body because it's all connected to the earth, the body, right? So this is Mother Nature. So a lot of times when people think of Mother Nature, they think Mother Nature is earth. Your body is made up of everything that Mother Nature is. So this is earth. So they are aware of what earth requires in order to, to heal it, to replenish it, to give it its sustenance that it needs in order for it to continue to be ever expanding and ever living. Then there are water shamans. Water shamans deal more with emotional content. And then there are the fire shamans. African tribes, there's a lot of fire shamans. They represent the aspect of fire, which is the masculine. It's a very masculine ritual, and it also is there to break your mind. 
It's there to take your mind apart by intensities until you literally come undone. And then that's how you actually start to heal and change and so forth. The air shamans are the ones who create sound, chanting, music, anything that can take you into a trance-like state. A lot of times you see people who are speaking in tongues, shamans who will use music that take you into a trance. This is air shamanism. And then the spirit also has the spirit shamanism, which is what I am, where we not only make sounds, but we also commune with all the spirits. So the spirit shaman is one who uses frequency. We use sound. We can have things come through us and, and bring new information through sound. So like if I was to have a spirit come through, I can like right now I can hear the spirit speaking in the spirit world. One spirit is saying, Bane Magwana Magwana Bane Mangwana Bangwana. And I see these three men, they're dancing in the spirit world, saying this over and over. I hear this. So then I just let it come through and I speak it into this world and then powerful things start to happen. As with most knowledge passed down through shamanic practices, misuse and misunderstanding of these sacred practices and plant rituals have connected humans to spirits from less desirable dimensions. So there's controversy today about the use of psychedelics in the oracle field and by anyone in general. There are two sides of the coin here. One is that, yes, these plants are a major opener for us to be able to get information. On the other, there are hazards that can come with it, including getting connected with beings that you might not want. And there's discussion as to whether these astral realms are being hijacked by unfriendly forces. And this also goes along with how these plants may be transmuted hybrided, changed around. They're not exactly what they used to be when we were working in a more pure way with them. So there are some risks that go along with using them. That said, many, many people are starting to open up to the reality of other dimensions and be able to, and are being able to receive information. Psychedelics are a very interesting way of bringing about the channeling state because they, they do have the ability to open that gateway to intelligent infinity. And anyone who's taken psychedelics, at least at a certain dosage, understands the ability these plant medicines have to connect you with higher consciousness. But it does come at somewhat of a price tag because psychedelics use up enormous volumes of our vital energy, which can get us into these very high states and then sort of drop us out of them very abruptly. Ayahuasca and other psychedelics give you an experience in your brain. They don't change your spiritual aptitude, not at all. They may give you an experience that feels very spiritual and that's authentic to that person, but it doesn't last. They still go back to the office grumpy or searching or what, and we're always searching, we're always searching. But if you really want to shift the gears inside your precious neurons and open up your heart, and open up the soul so it starts moving through you. 
The simplest practices are always the best, and that really is meditation. And also, beyond that, your skill of observation, paying attention to the way you feel. Everybody's empathic. Everybody's empathic. Some are off the scale empathic, and it's hard on them. I understand. But pay attention to it and learn to rise above it. You won't need the psychedelics. They're interesting, so I've heard, but they're also really hard on the body. And somebody who's had uh, brain issues and brain surgery and was lucky enough to come through it and still stand up vertically, you don't want to mess with your brain. You need it. I think that we need to be wise in our use. We need to have a lot of teaching and guidance in this realm if we're really going to um, have sacred medicines be useful and not turn into something negative. The natural teachers provided by the earth are for the purpose of helping to remind you where you really come from, what you really are, connecting you to different levels of your consciousness, to different dimensions of experience. The natural teachers of the earth, when not abused or falling into a crutch or an addiction can be very helpful. But always remember that once you have allowed yourself to experience the vibrational state that is created by allowing yourself to work with those plant teachers or other natural teachers from the earth. Once you are familiar with that frequency, you don't necessarily need the teacher anymore to recreate it. Beyond a certain point, it becomes an addiction and a crutch, whether physically or psychologically. So. It's always about self-empowerment. It's always about taking responsibility for the vibration, knowing that once you know what a vibration felt like, you're already in that state, even if it doesn't feel the same, because you cannot experience what you're not already the vibration of. So you have to be the vibration of an experience to even remember you had an experience. That's the trick. A unified message delivered through mystics, shamans, plants, and messengers, reminds us that a balanced connection to the planet is a powerful practice for spiritual transformation. We are reminding you to channel your incredible life force energy. And the higher, the, the more that you embody these things from this higher intelligence, the more information can come through. But where is it going to go if it is not utilized, if it is not put into action to create uh, new systems, new ways of seeing health, new ways of connecting with the body, new ways of collaborating, but reconnecting with the Earth's intelligence, yes? What about the Earth's intelligence? What is coming up through Earth at all times? Incredible intelligence and life force allowing you to be and in, there's incredible amounts of information that we are just generally not aware of. And so this is that saying of a, above and below. It is with, within all things. For thousands of years, we have been walking this planet, this earth, this land staring at waves of the water 
surrendering. Who we are. From all over the horizon, it reached us the question, who are we? Who am I, human? As messengers guide us to find the divinity within all things, and our spiritual sight becomes stronger. What messages will be received when we consciously connect our third eye to the rhythm of our heart and this beautiful planet? There are journeys of consciousness that no one can take but you. And yet as you take them, you take steps. In other terms, for others, and uh, you leave a mark for your brothers and sisters to follow in their own explorations. If you could see yourselves as we see you, there would be no discontent, no argument. You would honor each other appropriately with love. You would be collaborative and not separating, not judging. You would be assisting each other more fully than you do today. And it's better today, even though it seems not, than it's been in the past. When you love yourself enough, there is that solid state within you that you call God. And from that place of being, is the utopia, the peace you seek in the world. And it is happening now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.